Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? We got something to move tonight, and we start the whole fucking thing off. Help me, anything move, we knock out. Let's go. What's going on, people? All right. I want to welcome all of you to another edition of Zone Coverage on T2Q. My name is Quincy. This is my podcast. All right. And on this show, we'll review the NFL Week 11, uh, talk about the Steelers-Browns game, the, you know, Ravens and Texans, talk about the Cowboys, the Raiders, Bengals, Patriots, Eagles, Kansas City, and the Chargers, and maybe a couple other of uh, musings we'll get in. And then afterwards, in our extra session, uh, we'll talk about uh, Colin Kaepernick for a hot second, and just for a hot second, because I swear I'm sick of talking about it. Uh, Nick Saban and and Tua, uh, I can't tell you his last name. And um, the heavyweight bout, bout this weekend between Wilder and Ortiz, they had their second matchup, and we'll talk about the college football playoffs for a hot second and how the injury at Alabama affects that. So let me go to the phone lines. And go to the 850 area code, the Emerald Coastline of Pensacola, Florida, and welcome on Buck. Buck, what's going on? How's it going, man? How's everybody doing this evening? Doing great. Glad to have you on. And then the 732 area code, the Garden State of New Jersey, bring on my man Ray. Ray, what's happening? Hey, what's up, Q? What's up, Buck? How y'all doing? Doing great, man. Glad to have you on. So, had, you know, some interesting matchups this weekend, um, some pretty good games, and I'm going to start off with the the last game of the weekend, and we'll start off with Kansas City 24, Los Angeles Chargers 17. 76,000 people at Azteca Stadium in Mexico City saw the Chiefs up their record to 7-4 and four, while the Chargers dropped to four and seven, and they could be done as far as the postseason is concerned. I mean, they would have to run the table to even have a chance. And I don't know if nine and seven and get you in the AFC or not. That remains to be seen. But the game was pretty tightly contested throughout. And when it came down to it, the Chargers were just not able to get it done. Um, they performed a lot better on offense than Kansas City with 438 total yards to Kansas City's 310, but four turnovers did them in. Four, count them, turnovers, and all of them belong to Phillip Rivers. He was 28 of 52, 353 yards, one touchdown, four interceptions, sacked twice. Melvin Gordon had 69 yards rushing on 14 carries, and Austin Eckler laid all receivers even though he's a running back, with eight catches for 108 yards. So, Ray, I'll start with you first, man. Uh, Phillip Rivers hasn't played very well his last couple of games. He's what, going to be 38 years old or something like that. Uh, 
or he is 38 years old, one of the two. And a lot of people are ready to run him out of town. What do you think the future holds for Phillip Rivers? Well, two questions. One, can he turn this season around and at least finish on a high note? And two, what do you think the future holds for Phillip Rivers? No, I don't I don't think he can turn the season around. I mean, I always like Phillip Rivers. I mean, he's always through one of the prettiest balls I ever seen. Maybe him, Kurt Warner, maybe Aaron Rodgers and now Pat Mahomes, but these last couple of games, he's aged real badly. And, I mean, it's time for him to get old. I believe he's, what, in the 17th season or 16th or something like that. So it's time to really hang it up. I think he's had a Hall of Fame career. I think numbers-wise, he's right there, Big Ben, Eli. You know, he in top. 10 in this category, top 12 in this category, major category. So I think you really have to really give him consideration, although he didn't win anything. He probably won't be a first ballot like Eli or or Big Ben, but I think he's a Hall of Famer. And, you know, he he just looked bad. The last two games that he played, he looked bad. Monday night, he looked bad against us last week. And, you know, I think that when you had a good career, you want people to have good memories of you and how you played, not just, you know, you went out like a bump. And, you know, that that, that goes even for, you know, people that have accomplished a lot. You allowed one bad season. Once you start having – two and three bad seasons trying to hang on for no reason at all. I mean, the guy has made over $200 million in his career. He's got nine children or something like that. So sit back and, and, and you know, don't move your family all over the place just because his last year in San Diego, no matter what, somebody else will give him a shot based on his record. I mean, I thought he was one of the better quarterbacks in the league, but his last two games he aged real fast and real bad. He, you rarely ever seen Philip Rivers throwing interceptions the way he's throwing them. He looks like an old Jameis Winston, and that's bad because a young Jameis Winston Very is bad. throwing, you know, man, he's throwing them right to you, you know. So I just, I just think he should just go out after this year. Now, if he was to go out and and run these last what five or six games and have 400-yard passing in each one of them games and they win them all or something. Now there's something to come back for. But, you know, the career he's had, the ups and downs with his team and stuff like that, I think it's better to, if he moves on, and maybe they can go in a draft and get them a quarterback or something and just really start over. Or even bring a guy like Teddy Bridgewater in. And, you know, although he may want to stay in New Orleans, you know what talk. You give him $27, $28 million a season, he ain't never seen that kind of money. Man, he'll play in Alaska. So you got to see what's that. going on. Yeah. Okay. So you got to see what's going on. All right. And, yeah, Philip Rivers is in his 16th season. Um, he's 5-6 and six in the playoffs. He did make it to a championship game in 2007. Lost to the Patriots 21-12. to 12. Uh so, you know, he's, he's had a great career. 
And maybe it is time to, to shut it down. I mean, we'll see. I hope he can at least finish, you know, on a high note with some dignity. And Buck on the other side, Pat Mahomes, 19 for 32, 182 yards, a touchdown, interception, and a sack. He led the team with 59 yards, 59 yards rushing. Uh, Travis Kelsey had seven catches for 92 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the the Chiefs offense doesn't seem to be clicking, Buck. Now, is it the lack of the running game, or you know, should people be paying attention and make sure Patty Mahomes is not still feeling the effects of that knee? Maybe he doesn't trust it. I don't know, but something seems off. I think he's been exposed. I mean, I, I just think teams are, you know, they're catching up to him. I mean, I mean but let's let's break this down a little bit further. Um, well, hold their, on. I'll just throw too. They do have a ton of injuries on offense. I got to throw that in too, especially at the receiver position. Yeah, yeah they do have a ton of injuries, but I think the offensive line is suspect, um, and that that contributes to the running game and and you know and his passing. You know, they have, they've, you know, sometimes, you know, you got guys out here and when you don't, you know, you, once you get some film on a guy, usually the second, third year, like back, back Mahomes in, um, you know, they start to catch up with you a little bit. Defenses start to catch up a little, with you a little bit. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes does some amazing things on the football field, but, you know, he's on that cover of Madden. So that alone should keep him, you know, everybody should be on pins and needles. You know, he's already been injured once. And, I mean, you know, he was running around out there today. And, I mean, not today, yesterday. And he looked pretty good. And, um, but, you know, without Terry Keel out there, that changed the game. So he had to go to his tight end and, and check downs and things of that nature. Travis Kelsey had a hell of a game. Man, that, that catch in the end zone was just beautiful. So, um, you know, they their defense won the game for them last night. But they just don't, you know, they don't scare anybody. To me, they don't scare anybody. So, I just think that teams, there's enough take on Patrick Mahomes now that they can, you know, they know what tendencies that he has. And they, I just think the defenses are catching up to him. And as a result, um, you know, Kansas City need to make some changes. They need some, they make some changes and maybe do some rollouts. Um, maybe some, maybe some um, shotgun type snaps, things of that nature. And um, maybe that'll help them out a little bit. But you know, the AFC is getting tight. It's getting real, real tight. So you know, it's a three horse race out there in the West, and it might be a three horse race in the South. So and those are two, two two conferences that I thought would, you know, two, maybe even three teams might come out of, but we know that's not going to happen in the grand scheme of things. So it remains to be seen, but Kansas City is going to have to tighten up because, you know, it, the Raiders are coming. So it, it's it's getting ready to get real, real tight here in the next few weeks. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see what happens as we move forward. As the AFC West turns. All right. Move it on. We'll go back to Thursday night. We'll go from the last game to the first game. And we have Cleveland 21, Pittsburgh 7. 67,000 people at First Energy Stadium saw the Browns up their record to 4-6. and six. 
The Steelers dropped even to 5-5. Five and five. This was an extremely physical game, and that's prior to the last eight seconds. Um, but Cleveland was able to establish the run game, 104 yards rushing on 35 carries. They were dedicated to the run. run. Neither team cracked 200 yards passing. Uh, the Browns were able to overcome 121 penalty yards, but they won the time of possession battle 33-26. to 26. And Mason Rudolph was 23 of 44, 221 yards, a sack, four interceptions. I'm sorry, a touchdown, four interceptions, and four sacks. Jalen Samuels had 26 yards rushing on five carries. And the leading receiver was James Washington, three catches for 49 yards. And but the offense was non-existent, man. Uh, y'all lost some people early, but you know, prior to losing them, the offense was still kind of just tipping along. Well, the offense—I mean, the offense was anemic simply because. Offensive line. That was some of the worst offensive line play I've seen us have all season. Um, I knew at the beginning of the year, you know, with all the losses we had during the offseason and all the drama that is, you know, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and all of that, I, I had said way back in preseason that losing Mike Munchak would be the worst loss that we could that we could deal with. You know, we lost our wide receivers coach in, in training camp. That's hurt too, but nothing has hurt worse than losing Mike Munchak as an offensive line coach. Um, Scarrett, you know, he's this is his first year. He worked under Munchak, but he he's not Mike Munchak. And um, as a result, offensive line. This is not the first time we've had a bad offensive line play this season. We sucked. I mean, just just flat out sucked. And we got to, in order for us to get better, our offensive line play is going to have to get better. Um, you know, we're not giving Mason Rudolph enough time to throw. He was rushed several times. I mean, before the end of the game, I mean, they were, you know, running him so bad, he would, you know, force him to make mistakes. And you just can't have that. And then after the injury started, since those guys out there in the secondary were headhunting, um, you know, you just, you know, when you got new guys out there that you're not accustomed to and you're trying to force balls down the field because you're trying to play catch-up, it's just a recipe for disaster. And, um, you know, it's just um, unfortunate. We did not play the way we needed to play to win that football game. And um, in order for us to get better, I mean, this was a game that we probably should have won. We didn't because we didn't we didn't execute the way we needed to. And um, in order for us to win any more games, our offensive line is going to have to tighten up. The defense played well. It's just that they were out there on the field too long. So we have some work to do. You know, we still got plenty of games left where we can make a run, but we have to play better starting with the offensive line. Okay. And, Ray, looking at the um, Browns, uh, Baker Mayfield was 17 of 32, 193 yards, two touchdowns, and he was sat once. Nick Chubb had 92 yards rushing on 27 carries. And Odell Beckham had four catches for 60 yards to lead all receivers, but Kareem Hunt was a contributor in the passing game as well. So, Ray, now that Kareem Hunt has been established and they got Odell Beckham involved, they targeted him ten times, 
Is that going to be the key to kind of jumpstart Cleveland's offense and maybe get them back in the thick of things? Yeah, I I, I think the the combo of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is the best duo in the league together. And I think that they should try to win behind those guys than to try to keep, you know, letting Baker Mayfield throw all over the field because the running game is going to open up the passing game. And I think that, you know, this year it's it's just something I don't understand. How can you not get Odell Beckham the football? Odell Beckham is one of the best receivers in the league, and it's bad for him because he's only played on the Eli, the bad Eli, and now he come here at Baker Mayfield where it's gotten worse. You know, guy coming out here with 40 yards and 21 yards and all this kind of stuff, and he's really not seeing the targets the way he needs to see them. And I think that um, if they run the ball, Kareem Hunt catches out of the backfield extremely well. Uh, Nick Chubb can catch out of the backfield. Two have given the opportunities, but – I think with that one-two punch of true thunder and lightning, I think that these guys would be extremely hard to beat because Cleveland has played good defense. They just need to get their offense on track. And it seems like the last two games that they're playing better. And I think that's directly due to Kareem Hunt. And I think as the season goes on, they're getting more involved, more involved, and more involved. Because I think, you know, the average fan has forgotten how good Kareem Hunt was. You know, Kareem Hunt was was a leading rusher. And, you know, he just just took Kansas City to where they need to be. Now, Pat Mahomes will get all the credit. And rightfully so, he deserves a large part of the credit. But them guys really fucked up when they cut Kareem Hunt outright. See, me... If I was Kansas City, I would have put him on the exempt list or whatever the case may be, but I still hold that guy's rights. Now once all this shit blow over, because nobody really cares about that anyway, that's just a dispute. And, you know, we, we trying to save face in the NFL and act like, well, this is what we're caring about. Okay, you don't let a guy like that walk because – Listen, if Kareem Hunt was still on that team, there's no doubt they would have beat New England, went to the Super Bowl, and they would have won. Now now they now they chasing and haven't been the same since Kareem Hunt left. So Kansas, uh, Cleveland, if they stick with the running game, passing to, to the running backs out of the backfield, and then opening up deep balls down the field for Landry and uh, Odell Beckham, I think they can – turn the season around, but if they don't, then they won't. All right. Okay, and of course, we got to talk about what happened at the end of the game. Uh, Mason Rudolph was taken down with about eight seconds left, and it ended up turning into a pretty bad scuffle. Well, it wasn't a scuffle, it was a fight. Um, And he got cracked over the head with his old helmet. And there was some kicking and stomping going on. And when, when it's all said and done, you know, I, I guess it's just it's just football to a lot of us. But to, to, to others, it was a lot more serious. And I mean, all jokes aside, 
it could have been bad. I mean, he could have split the man's head open, um, could have knocked the man out. The man had a concussion a couple of weeks ago. But um, all of that aside, let's talk about, I guess, what the penalty should be. And, Ray, I'll start with you on this first. What do you think the penalty should have been for Rudolph, Garrett, and Pouncey? And um, I can't think of the guy's name. It's Ignobe or or something like that. The guy that pushed Mason Rudolph down. Those four people, what do you think would have been fair um, as far as penalties are concerned uh, in the game? Well, I would have gave everybody two games apiece, and I would have gave Jace, uh, Miles Garrett three. Because this is what I saw. I watched the film time and time again. Mason Rudolph grabbed him by the back of the helmet while he was laying on the ground. Now we can say, oh, he didn't have to take him down and all that. Mason Rudolph was frustrated. Then he actually took his foot and pushed it into the man's nuts. So, Jason uh, Miles Garrett say, if this man trying to take off my helmet, I won't try to take off his. Now, football is a physical sport. We get upset, things happen. Should he have hit the man with the helmet? Of course not. But he hit him with the soft part of the helmet. Everybody keeps talking about what could have happened. Should it? Okay. If we look at what could have happened, if somebody fires a gun, but they don't hit anybody, yeah, that's a crime in itself, but it's not like murder. And Mason Rudolph didn't even hit the ground when he hit him with the helmet. He threw his hands up in the air. And he instigated the whole thing. Now, I'm hearing, I'm seeing all these TV shows, and everybody says the worst thing they saw in sports. Worst thing they saw in sports? Come on. The Warren Sapp block on the guy was worse than that, and which is a legal play, but, you know, that's not the worst thing you've seen in sports. This is just ridiculous. To me, the, the kid, he made a mistake. Okay, we're going to put you out for three games. You know what the rule books say? The rule books say you eject the player from the game. It says nothing about suspension. That's why I think Miles Garrett going to beat this. Only reason why it's a big deal is because he hit a quarterback. You know what I mean? So they can choose to impose any kind of penalty they want to and stuff like that. But to me, all this shit is blown out of proportion. He did not hurt that man. And I don't really think he intended to hurt that man because big and strong as Miles Garrett is, and I think he takes boxing and martial arts or whatever it is, he could have really hurt him if he wanted to. I think he mostly just tried to get him back off of him. So, you know, because if he hit him so hard, why did he fall down? So everybody, oh, he could have killed him. He could have this and that. Yeah, if he hit him with the other side of the helmet, I think he never intended to hit him with that side of the helmet. I think he basically just wanted to hit him to probably get him off of him, and he was frustrated. If he had to take it back in the last half a second, I bet he wouldn't have done it. But I say three games, and everybody else gets two. Because uh, Pouncey, he did wrong. The guy come up and push Rudolph after he got hit, he did wrong. Which wasn't a whole lot, but considering that he was hit, and then you pushed him, it could have been worse. So 
I think that's all it should be. I don't think it's a situation where you spend the guy a whole year and take five and eight million dollars away from him for what? Because he was fighting. They say if you use a weapon, players get kicked out of the game. It says nothing about suspension. So that's what I feel should happen. Because I don't think it should have been as big of a deal as people make it. Okay. Buff, what do you think, man? Rudolph, Garrett, Pouncey, uh, and I'm so sorry I can't get this guy's name, but um, the other dude was good play for Cleveland. That's good enough. That'll suffice. <laughs> man, I'm gonna get this dude's name, but uh, hold think on, it's just Oakland, a Toby or some. I don't know how to pronounce that. Hold on, we'll I'm gonna, uh, Larry Ogunjobi. Yeah, Ogan Joby. I'm, I'm, like, I'm, like I'm like Marv Albert. Larry Ogan Joby. Yes. <laughs> but what do you think yes. about Well, first of all, I mean, yeah, Mason Rudolph started it. Um, I think the other steel players before he decided to crack this boy upside the head were trying to actually keep him, you know, trying. they were just basically trying to separate him. But once the helmet cracked, you know, things start. you know, it got ugly after that. Um, I don't agree with Pouncey kicking and, and punching and things of that nature. Um, it, it just got ugly after that. The other Cleveland player that pushed the quarterback down, I know they're protecting quarterbacks, but I really don't think he should be suspended at all. I mean, he always did push the guy down, so I really don't think he should be suspended at all. Um, Pouncey, you know, I really thought he should have gotten six games um, simply, simply because – you can't punch and kick a guy, especially if he's laying down on the ground. Um, that's just not fair. I mean, you, you just can't do things like that. And uh, as far as Miles Garrett, I mean, I like him as a player. You know, I like his tenacity. Love, you know, I love the way he plays the game of football. However, the only problem I got with Miles Garrett is he did crack the guy against the helmet. All the other stuff that happened before the end, pulling the helmet off and all that, we've seen helmets pull off off people's head before. But not, you know, even I don't care what side of the helmet you hit him with. You're not supposed to use the, um, the you know, the helmet as a weapon. So he got, in my opinion, he got what he needed. Um, he should be suspended indefinitely. Um, just the fact that he used the helmet as a weapon. Um, now, I'm quite sure some of these appeals may help him out a little bit. He did show remorse after the game. You know, when he was interviewed and things of that nature, um, I'm quite sure all the all the suspensions will probably be reduced. I really don't think the Cleveland guy should be suspended at all. I'm from since Pouncey only got three games, I think that's going to be reduced to one. Miles may be reduced to the end of the season, possibly, um, but that remains to be seen. I'm just guessing, but. Um, you know, this is a learning experience for everybody in the National Football League. The way I look at it is like this. Albert Hainsworth did something, something that did something like this, and he's had a hist- he had a history of doing it. The reason why they came down on Miles Garrett is harder they came down, not because he slammed this guy in the head with a helmet. It's because he'd been clowning all year. He had $50,000 worth of fines before this game. So – Unfortunately for Miles, he has a little bit of a history of. You say how much? How much? Pers- you find? 
$50,000 in fines before this game. So he has a, you know, unfortunately for Miles, he has a history of what, what, is perceived, what some people call dirty play. Now, I don't think he's a dirty player. He's not like Burfick. He's not like Albert Hainsworth. But he's starting to get that reputation. And for something like this to blow up, you know, they're starting to show a pattern that he has. I didn't, like I said, I have no problem with his tenacity and his fire. There are a lot of players in the National Football League that have this kind of passion, this type of desire. And I have no problem with it because that pumps up the team, especially if you're behind and you make a big play, you sack the quarterback, you know, force fumbles, things of that nature. But at the end of the game, you know, Miles, I mean, he, Miles jumped on him and just landed on top of him. And all Mason was trying to do was get him off. But at that point, you know, when you got a frustrated player on the ground, he trying to get up, man, why are you putting, you know, and I'm quite sure there were words said, we don't know. It escalated. But you have to be able to keep your composure. Um, you know, we've, we've all played the game. And we've all seen, you know, there have been instances where we've gotten upset during games when you, you know, maybe losing and things of that nature, and you just want to rip that other guy's head off because he's been talking smack the whole game and really irritating you. And, you know, you hadn't, you know, this wasn't your best day. But you have to learn how to keep the composure. You know, this is the National Football League, not the National Thug League. So, you know, you have to be able to compose yourself. Um, you know, the only thing we can hope for at this point, you know, is an unfortunate incident. And hopefully these guys um, time suspended or, you know, in, suspended indefinitely will be reduced. And there'll be a learning experience. But for Miles Garrett, you know, now he's going to be one of those guys, if he breathes on the quarterback the wrong way, he's going to be flagged 15 yards or get an unsportsmanlike conduct or roughing the passer because that's where, you know, it's already been chronicalized throughout the season so far. And it's unfortunate for him. And now this just makes it look entirely worse for him. And he's a really good player. I mean, he's one of the top three defensive ends in the league, you know, beyond, behind Khalil Mack and a boy out there in, in Los Angeles, Aaron Donald. So, you know, Miles Garrett's name comes up. So it, it, we don't want to see our stars getting suspended for something like this. So hopefully after, you know, they hear the appeals, we'll see how it comes. But unfortunately for Miles, now he's branded as a dirty player. Okay. Very well said. And, yeah, prior to Thursday, he got fined um, $50,000 for multiple penalties. Um, he punched Delaney Walker um, of Tennessee in a game, and he had two rough in the passing plays on Jets quarterback Trevor Simeon, one of them which ended his season. So um, he had been fined prior to last Thursday. But uh, just to get my two cents on it, man, I kind of flip-flop on this. And I, I kind of fall halfway in the middle on a couple of things because I agree with a lot of things both of you all said. I think Miles Garrett started it, but I think that Mason Rudolph escalated it. All right, and what I mean by that, when all right, Garrett took you know Rudolph to the ground, and you know that's what a, that's what you're supposed to do, you know, but he didn't let him go. He had both hands wrapped around him in a bear hug, and that's why you saw Mason Rudolph starting to squirm. 
He's already mad. He got his tail whipped the whole game. So he was mad that this guy was holding him down on the ground and not letting him go. Because if you if you look at it, he he had both arms around him in a bear hug. So since he couldn't move his you know get his body out, that's when he started going for the helmet, which is what he shouldn't done should have shouldn't have done. That's what escalated everything. And so I do think Mason Rudolph escalated it. Um, as as far as I think the person who should be least penalized, if anything at all, uh, was my man whose name I just couldn't say a little while ago. I forgot it in Joe Bay or whatever. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have penalized him or well I mean you may throw a flag on the play, but I wouldn't have um, suspended him because how many times have we seen players push other players that are close to the pile? And, yeah, you might get a 15-yard penalty, but ain't nobody been suspended for it. And I know this was during the course of a fight, but, I mean, he's coming to the defense of his player, and I, I don't think he should have been suspended at all. Um, Pouncey, he kicked, you know, and stomped on a player. You can't do that. You can cause a concussion and everything. So even though the player had his helmet on, um, I think you have to give him at least a couple of games for that. I, I would have said two. If you want to say three, that sounds like a lot, but I, I, I would have said two games. Uh, for Mason Rudolph's role in it, if you want to give him a game, that's fine. But I really feel like as far as what he did, um, he sh- he shouldn't get anything other than maybe a fine, I guess, because it's kind of like what Ray said, you know, even though Garrett – swung the helmet, and he could have hurt the man. He didn't hurt the man, all right? We all see that he didn't hurt the man. So I'm I'm going to use the same logic with Mason Rudolph. Even though he tried to get the man's helmet off, he didn't. You know, he tried, you know, he just, you know, it was just roughhousing. So I really wouldn't suspend him at all, maybe find him. And as far as um, Miles Garrett goes, because you have the precedent already set with what, um, Hainsworth did to Andre Garrard years ago, and I think Hainsworth got five games maybe. Um, and he, he uh, essentially assaulted a man that didn't have it. Huh? It was five. It was it was five. Yeah, he essentially assaulted a man that didn't have his helmet on. Um, I think you got to give Garrett five just based on on that. You got to give him. I would give him the same suspension. I wouldn't say I wouldn't give him more. I actually think he did less damage than what Hainsworth did to Garage. Garage messed up Hainsworth's face pretty good. I mean, uh, Hainsworth messed up Garage's face pretty good. I think he had to get stitches. So, uh, you know, I would say maybe even four games uh, because even though he shouldn't have done it, if they had to do that ten more times, he may not have swung his helmet at all. You know, he may have gotten the man's helmet and thrown it across the field, which is what he should have done, which would have been hilarious. So uh, I I hate the whole suspended indefinitely thing. When I first heard about it, I knew it was going to happen. And, I, you know, I said, okay, he's going to get suspended for the rest of the year. And because that's what the NFL does, and they try to look good on certain things. But, um, you know, after thinking about it and and watching everything and how it played out, I, I think it's too much. I think it's too much. Uh, this is a rivalry, and I hate the fact that Garrett is not going to be there in a couple of weeks when they play again. Uh, 
but I would have let the man come back this season, you know, give him four games maybe and let him come back and, you know, find, you know, find him heavily. If you want to hit him in the wallet, that's fine, you know. Hit him for a hundred grand or something. And, you know, a lot of times they get people's attention. But I, I just don't think they should try to make some sort of example out of him like they did uh, Ray Rice or anything like that. Don't don't try to make this guy a poster boy for anything. This is just a he's the moment thing that got out of hand. Uh, we've seen it in baseball where the pitcher would throw the ball at the batter, or I've even seen a highlight where a batter ran to the pitcher's mound with the bat, you know, <laughs> Um, it's unfortunate. That man, it's unfortunate. That man that mean Kirby Puckett would happen to him. Mainly. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And Kirby Puckett wasn't no punk. That was a big boy. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. so, I, I mean, and then all the people, I, I know that Miles Garrett is much bigger than Mason Rudolph, and I'm sure he didn't feel threatened by him. But, I mean, you know, it's one of those things, if you're not from the hood, then, you know, you can take this back to whatever suburb or rural area you're from. But they got an old saying that said, if you run up, you get done up, you know. And you you can be five foot two. If you run up on a man six foot eight, he's going to pound you in the head like a hammer on a nail. And that's just what it is. You're talking about two grown men because, you know, make no mistake about it. There's some little dudes out there that can fight. So you have to yeah, defend that's yourself. Two, that's 274. That's two seventy five versus two thirty five. That ain't that much different, you know. You know, so, you gonna go out to somebody, you know, be a man about they're it. Both, I mean, they're, yeah. they're both heavyweights. See, this is what I don't yep. like in, in America. If you bring a fight to somebody, the person that get washed, they gonna they gonna blame the person that did the washing. That's that's not fair. You can't he can't be getting pulled back and you walking up on him and. Who knows what you're saying? I'm not saying use no racist slurs, nothing like that. You could have called him a, a bitch or anything that could have set him off. You can't instigate a situation. But see, in America now, we want to say you can't put the person hands on nobody for any reason. And you just can't do that. Now, hey, if a person is not a threat to you, the fight is, once they push them back, it's over. Had Lisa Rudolph walk to the sideline, and then he broke away from them guys and come around and hit him with a helmet. Okay, he should be spinning indefinitely. That's not what happened. Now, he instigated, he got up in the man's face and did whatever he wanted to do. And I mean, that's a female move, really. You know what I'm saying? But everybody's sympathizing with Mason because he's the guy that got hit. No, you don't get up in somebody's face and then you get the worst end of it. You say, oh, well look at this and look at that, and you want somebody to get your back. And listen, if I was Mason Rudolph, I would go to the people, and I would say, listen, we got out of things, got out of hand, all this and that. I would try to get the man out of trouble, not try to, well, we'll see how things unfold. You just can't do that or whatever he's going to say and stay out of it. You can't stay out of it because you started. Now, anybody think it's right to spend a guy a season and take all that money out of his pocket and you hit a man, he didn't even fall down. And a man went in, took a shower, went on about his day. That's not a problem. Had he hit him with a crown of helmet and knocked him out like Earl Thomas, okay, now we got something to talk about. But that didn't happen. You see what I'm saying? A man walked off the field, 
He was not even injured. He wasn't even dizzy because after old boy pushed him to the ground, he got right back up. He wasn't standing around. He wasn't punch drunk. He wasn't nothing. So turn around and say, oh, this is what he did and all this and that. There's a difference between, I didn't say Mason Rudolph kicked him in the nuts like an MMA fighter, but he put his foot in the man's nuts. So everybody that's going to suspend Miles Garrett got a pair of nuts. So they know how that feels. You see what I'm saying? But now we dismissing that. How can you dismiss that when you saw what happened? You know, I just don't understand that. You know, okay, we can't have guys swinging helmets. Okay, this is true. Guys swinging helmets, you can put a rule on the books if the one that's on the books is not sufficient enough. But you can't turn around and say, oh, well, we're going to set a standard or we're going to do this, and the rule is not on the books. To me, that's just stupid. All right. Very well said, people. All right. Moving on. Baltimore, 41, Houston, 7. 70,731 fans at M&T Bank Stadium saw the Ravens up their record to 8-2 and two, while the Texans dropped to 6-4. and four. And this game was total domination from the word go. And it's like they just jumped out, you know, 14 nothing at halftime. You're thinking, okay, well, they're still in it. 27 nothing at the end of the third, you know, okay, they're out of it. But um, they did it with some big plays, and they did it with just some grinded-out type of football. Baltimore had 263 yards rushing, almost 500 yards of total offense. They won the title possession battle by 13. Lamar Jackson was 17 of 24, 222 yards, four touchdowns, a sack, he got sacked once, 86 yards rushing, and a partridge in a pear tree. Uh, Gus Edwards did lead the team with 112 yards on um, eight carries and a touchdown. He had a 63-yard scamper. And receiving Mark Andrews, the tight end, four catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown. But are the Baltimore Ravens the best team in the AFC right now? Hell, they may be the best team in the National Football League. Um, you know, watching watching him play in Louisville and then get drafted in the National Football League, I didn't think he was going to be worth anything. Um, simply because he, I knew he was going to, he was a running quarterback, and he didn't do that much in Louisville. However, um, okay. Hats off to John Harbaugh first for letting this guy play. But also hats off to him because he did something that most black quarterbacks don't do. And what he did was he he, he practiced his craft during the offseason. He became a better, accurate passer. And with that being said, I mean, he can do both. This was my knock on, on Michael Vick. Michael Vick could throw a football out of a stadium, but he couldn't read a defense worth shit. So with that being said, um, you know, what this what this kid has actually done is changed the game because now this guy can either be in the shotgun, on the center, and throw throw rockets down the field, but he also can create and play backyard football and run, you know, have design runs, or you know, 
RPOs, as they call it these days, run pass options. But adding on to that, this kid can run, and he can run dangerously. He can stiff arm. He can, you know, he can shake you out your shoes. What this kid is doing, what Lamar Jackson is doing right now is just absolutely sensational. I mean, there's not enough adjectives to explain how good this kid is playing. I never would have thought in a million years that, and I still think at some point he's going to catch up with him. But he's a big kid. He can handle it. I just don't, you know, with, with black quarterbacks, you don't want to see them continue to run down, run down the field because, or running out of the pocket because at some point one of these big linemen is going to catch you and going to drill you into the ground. Because once you run, get outside the pocket, you know, you're now can, you know, you're eligible to get your tail knocked out. So, you know, right now everything's working. I mean, he's making spin moves out there on the field and everything else. Also, something else is kind of surprising about this team is their defense. You would have told me that, you know, Mosley and T. Sizzle going to the Jets and the Cardinals, and that young defense wasn't going to be the same. That defense is good. This whole team is is stacked. And, you know, picking up the running back, you know, from the Saints coming up there, man, they have a formidable team. They got a good running game. They got a good passing game. They got good receivers. Hollywood Brown, that great cool. tight end. Great tight end. You got defense. You got special teams. You got a kicker that just won't miss. The Baltimore Ravens can whoop anybody in the National Football League. And right now, I don't care if the 49ers, the Saints, the Green Bay Packers, I don't care who it is. The Baltimore Ravens are the best team in football right now. Period. All right. Ready? Let's look at the Texans. You know, at one point, Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Watson was born to be, you know, what Lamar Jackson is right now. And um, he didn't play that well this past Sunday. The offensive line just still can't protect him. Um, 18 of 29, 169 yards, an interception, sacked six times, lost a fumble. Uh, Carlos Hyde at 65 yards rushing and a touchdown. Uh, 41 of that came on one carry. And DeAndre Hopkins, seven for seven catches for 80 yards. But Deshaun Watson, man, he's still getting beat up back there, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they traded for Laramie Tunsil, and I don't know. I, well, last game I saw, I believe he was playing us. He's jumping off sides and all that kind of stuff, so I don't know exactly how well that's working out. The boy uh, Titus Howard, uh, Alabama State, I believe, or Alabama A&M, one of them. So we got picked in the first round. He's doing pretty good out there. They say he's developing real well. So, you know, I'm glad it's, it's working out for him. He's big, big body, big target. And usually when you come out of small schools, you have a learning curve. But he seems to be doing his thing pretty well. So this is what Houston needs to do. You need to go offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. When you got a quarterback and you believe he's franchised, you got to protect them. I don't know why a lot of teams don't understand that. And you look at the guys that are protected, the Brady's and, you know, the Dak Prescott's and stuff like that. In order to, to be successful, you got to have a clean pocket. Now, it's amazing what Watson's been able to do without an offensive line. 
but he's going to have to get a line. He's going to have to change how he does things. I mean, I'm all for guys playing ball, but I believe all these young quarterbacks that are a dual threat, they need to watch Russell Wilson on how he does things. Now, Lamar Jackson, he's dynamic, and he runs the ball extremely well and extremely efficient, and he's developed the arm. That's what I wanted to do from the beginning. You know, last year he ran entirely too much and relied entirely too much on his legs. Now he has both. He's a true dual threat. And the thing about it is, is you can't keep running like that in the NFL because sooner or later somebody going to pop you. And then your team goes to shit because now the whole offense is built around you. And with Sean Watson is he has to learn that because he's always mixed up and getting hurt or getting this and getting that. Yeah, that's the exciting brand of football. But when you're the franchise quarterback, especially when you have not signed your big contract yet, you know, you got to take it easy. I think you have to, you know, play much smarter. Now, I don't think Watson always plays smart. I think he plays to win the game. I think he plays to create big plays and all that type of stuff, but he has to play smarter. And if you're going to develop and learn that, or you're going to learn that the hard way. So we, we, we'll see. You know, but he he didn't play well. Sunday, he got outplayed, and you know, when you come into the game and you know that this is a big matchup between you and, you know, Lamar Jackson, I know you can't always control what you can do if your offensive line not blocking for you and stuff like that, but you've got to hold them accountable and let them know that you need some offensive line help, and if you are in, I would I would come to to the draft boardroom if they would allow me to. You're the franchise quarterback. Chances are they will allow you to come in there and try and get you some offensive line help. Tell me I can get you to the to, to, to the AFC championship game if y'all get me some line help. I think they'll listen to him because without line help, he's going to be limping and shit for years. You know, and I hate to see it happen for him, especially before he gets his money. Got to be careful out here doing all that running. But we'll see what happens. Okay. Yeah. You got to try to find a way to stay healthy. And, um, I mean, he's having a hard enough time just trying to stay upright in the pocket. Because you think about it, in, in actuality, he could probably get as much money as Mahomes is going to get, whether he's worth it or not. You know, the first guy to sign, the second guy come along, he's going to get just as much money, if not more. Yeah. You know, exactly. You you don't play uh, on a rookie contract. And the way these numbers are now, they're talking about these boys in two years might be looking at $45 million a season. And you think, I'm going to put that at risk because I'm trying to dive over the pile and say, oh, no, I ain't doing that. I'm going to do what a quarterback does. I'm going to use my arm, and I'm going to run the ball when I'm wide open. If you're wide open, you can get it done. 
but running up through space and trying to run over somebody and stuff like that. Oh no, I ain't doing that. Hey, the one thing, <laughs> the, the one thing that concerns me about um, Deshaun Watson is he reminds his his style of play reminds me a lot of Air McNair. Um, and the thing is, is that he's starting to get, you know, those same little persistent injuries where they just don't go away during the season. He's always hurt. Um, for some unknown reason, when you draft a, you know, quarterback, at least in Houston, they don't draft the type of offensive line they need to protect this guy. You know, they hadn't had a good, they hadn't had a substantial running game in quite some time, and they surely haven't had one since Deshaun Watson is there. Even though they've tried to get big, you know, good, decent backs there, the only thing is, is their offensive line is they have not invested enough money to um, get these guys, you know, get him some protection, and it's starting to, you know, it's starting to affect his play. Um, he got sacked six times in that game, and now I, I don't think he even, you know, listened to the coach after the game. He just went straight to the ice tub. That didn't include all the knockdowns that he had in this game. So, Deshaun, they're going to have to get some offensive line help for Deshaun if he plans on being their franchise quarterback. Because if not, he's not going to be around much longer. I mean, he's only been in the league, I think, this is what, his third year? Second, third year? Yep, third year. So, third year. So, he only has one more year left on his rookie contract. He's not going to make it to his fifth year if they don't get him off his line because he's getting his ass brutalized every week. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving on. Yeah. Let's see. Where am I? Dallas 35, Detroit 27. 61,000 at Ford Field. Saw the Cowboys up their record to 6-4. and four. The Lions dropped to 3-6-1. and one. And um, the Lions hung in the game. It was it was twenty four to fourteen at the half. They got back in it. They kept it close. Uh, let's see. Dallas had over five hundred yards of, of offense. The offense uh, they can seem like they can move the ball at will. They can't seem to get the running game going like it was earlier in the season. But they they're they're moving the ball. When they want to and converting third downs, they got a very high third down conversion rate. They were eight of fourteen in this game. Um, Detroit did a pretty good job of running the ball, something they haven't been able to do. They had a new running back on the team, um, a former seventh round pick of the Cowboys out of Alabama, Bo Scarborough, who's a he's a big boy, he's a thumper. He had fourteen carries, fifty five yards, and a touchdown. And um, that doesn't sound like a lot, but trust me, he 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 made some pretty nice little runs. Uh, Amendola had four catches for 47 yards. Marvin Jones had four for 43 and two touchdowns. Jeff Driscoll, 15 of 26, 209, two touchdowns, sacked three times. He also had 51 yards rushing and a touchdown. And uh, the Buck, I. I Detroit, you know, played pretty well, but man, you talk about a team that has injuries. Matt Stafford is out, Carryon Johnson is out, and they've been trying to get a running game. I swear it seemed like since Barry Sanders left, and they just can't seem to get it together. And it's mainly because they can't keep running backs on the field. Well, they no, they can't keep running backs on the field. They can't keep anybody on the field. 
running backs, wide receivers, you know, offensive line of defensive line. The whole team's hurt. The Detroit Lions are probably just about – they're probably more injured than the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. I mean, Detroit got a, that, just a whole host of injuries. Um, and it, it just, you know, it's dismal. I mean, it's really hard to – I mean, you got a good coach over there. He's trying to change the persona for the Lions. And um, when you when you have a, a just a triage full of injuries, there's not much you can do. And you got a quarterback back there that's got a name from the fugitive. You know, it's 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 not working very well. So, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's just uh, it's it's unfortunate for the Lions. You know, we we know we're going to see them next week. You know, for Thanksgiving, and they're probably going to get blown out of the stadium again. Um, but it, it'd be nice to see if they can try to actually win a game. But um, right now, with the amount of injuries they have, no Matt Stafford, it's just you know they're gonna be one of the top five teams in the draft. And Ray, on the other side, Dak Prescott, twenty nine of forty six, four hundred and forty four yards, three touchdowns, sacked once. Um, Zeke has. 45 yards rushing and a touchdown um, on 16 carries. He had 28 yards receiving and a touchdown. He did have a fumble. And Michael Gallup, um, 148 yards over nine with nine catches. Randall Cobb also over 100 yards. And Ray, um, in, in your mind, what do you think is wrong with the with the running game? Well, on, on Dallas, well, I think that. By Zeke missing camp and all that kind of stuff, it's hard to get back on track. I think that the offense has changed. I think they're not giving Zeke as many carries. And I think a lot of times Zeke's thing was to get to the end of the game and really wear the defense down. Now it's kind of like, you know, Zeke, even with with the – you know, 20 carries and 16 carries and stuff like that. Zeke usually had more carries in years previously. So it was kind of like it's not totally his fault. And, you know, if you want a player to look different, you don't let him get any camp. And he's going to look different. But it's Jerry Jones's fault. If you're going to pay him anyway, should have paid him at the beginning of the summer and had him come in so that he could be ready to play because we all thought they were going to really make a run at this thing because the defense played so well last year. But now Dak Prescott then stepped up, and he's throwing the ball extremely well, and they still, to me, have not played while the opponents and whooped them. Now, of course, they got them ranked number eight and all this kind of stuff and everything else, I think. When Dallas run into a quality team, they're going to have a problem. Like, you know, not Detroit is not a quality team because they lost a lot of close games. But, you know, Detroit is going to find a way to lose. You know, Detroit had a backup quarterback, and they still come within a touchdown and two-point conversion for winning the damn game, a tie in the game. So, you know, it's it's like – and back throwing the ball for 440-something yards. And they still the game's still that tight. You know, Michael Gallup, he's looking like a receiver one out there. You know, 
and they still having all these issues. I mean, to me, with the running game, I, I, I can't really put my finger on it, but I think it gives Zeke carries like they used to and because if I look at the NFC, who do I believe that they're better than? Uh, Minnesota, no. San Francisco, no. Um, Green Bay, no. You know, Biden, no. I mean, you got to go through a few teams before you get to Dallas. But, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, Zeke is still one of the best running backs in the league, but this year is so far hasn't been his year to display that. Other guys have stepped up, the Dalvin Cooks and the, the Christian McCaffrey's and stuff like that. So he's definitely being overshadowed. So, you know, I can't really say he's overweight, so I don't know what the problem is, except the, the carries went down. Okay. And um, I think that um, it, it it could be a training camp thing. I don't know. I mean, we're so deep in the season, I would hope that's not the case. But um, he – I mean, they're, they're stacking up. I, I think for – they seem like they, they wanted to see if Dak can beat them, and now Dak's beating them. And I'm hoping that that translates to them backing off and allowing Zeke to – do his thing. You know, Zeke, he ran fast at the combine, uh, but Zeke doesn't have that get-away-from-the-cop speed that you see with some um, running backs. Zeke, to me, is a more athletic version of Emmett, in my opinion. Um, yeah, Emmett would get you a 40-yard run. He'll get you a 50-yard run if he got a good head start. But he never really ran off and left anybody. And if you look at Zeke's track record over his, you know, four seasons, he's great in the open field. But how many times have you seen Zeke hit the hole and break off for like 80 yards or whatever? He He's not that type of back. And um, so he doesn't have long speed, I, I'll say that. And I think that is why you don't see the, the big chunk play. Like he only has one carry over 20 yards this year, which is amazing to have 880-something yards rushing, and you only have one carry over 20 yards. So he's going to get you six six to nine yards, which is great. And every now and then maybe he can pop one, but it just hasn't happened. But uh, that, I mean, not only is he the the best dancer in warm-ups, he's doing his thing, throwing the ball. I'm I'm very happy to see him actually carrying the team. I mean, right now this is his team. You know, Zeke is still the star. Don't get me wrong, still a star and probably, you know, pound for pound, maybe the most talented, if you want to argue that, or Amari Cooper. But but Dak is, this is his team right now. And he's truly taken over as a leader. And I like that. I hope it's not because he's on, he needs a contract, but hopefully this is him going forward. He seems like he works hard and has the right attitude. So does Michael Gallup. Um, but I, I think what Dallas is going to have to do in order to start beating those teams that Ray talked about, um, they're going to have to get turnovers. They are not getting turnovers. And you can't continue to drive the length of the field. Part of the reason they have so many yards because they got to drive the length of the field every time because they're not getting short fields, you know. 
And um, you can't continue to drive the length of the field against these really good teams that you're going to come up against over the next few weeks. And so they're going to have to figure out how to turn over the ball. They're getting sacks, but they're not, they're not stripping the ball. Uh, Michael Bennett had two sacks. I mean, they got a good return on him already because I think he has three sacks in, in two games. Robert Quinn had another sack. I think he has eight and a half sacks, and, and he missed the first two games of the season. Um, so Robert Quinn is, is, is doing his thing. So, And Demarcus Lawrence had a great game, did a good job stopping the run, um, had a tackle for a loss. And so when the defense, the defensive line is doing what they had to do. They made tackles this week as opposed to last week when Dalvin Cook was just running through those little arm tackles. They actually did a good job of wrapping up this week. But, man, if they don't find a way to get turnovers, you can't go through it because Dak can't play too many perfect games, all right? You know, just like Zeke fumbled in this game, Dak's going to have some fumbles or some interceptions, and you're going to have to try to overcome that. So if you're not getting any turnovers yourself, it's going to be a problem. So Dallas has got to find a way to turn over that ball, and I don't know what they have to do to do it, but they have got to figure it out. All right, moving on. Let's see. We have Oakland 17, Cincinnati 10. 52,000 people at Ring Central Coliseum saw the Raiders up their record to 6-4, and four, while the Bengals have officially been eliminated from the playoffs at 0-10. And, and this game was, was pretty close, and the Bengals had their opportunities, but um, Oakland got stout when they needed now, the Bengals, surprisingly, had 173 yards rushing. It's been a minute since they've been able to run the ball. But unfortunately, they only had 115 yards passing with their backup, Ryan Finley, at the helm. Um, Oakland had 113 yards rushing and 273 passing yards. Both teams had two turnovers. And um, despite Cincinnati having all those rushing yards, they lost the time of possession battle by 11 minutes. That's ridiculous. Derek Carr was very efficient, 25 of 29. I think he hit his first 13 or 14 passes. Uh, 25 of 29, 292 yards. Touchdown, interception, three sacks. Josh Jacobs had 112 yards rushing, and he did lose a fumble. And Tyrell Williams had a nice showing, four catches for 82 yards. And, Ray, what do you think out of your, about your boys? Um Y'all had a lot of yards, but it didn't translate into points. Yeah, I mean, it it was a real um a real close game for the most part. I mean, I think Cincinnati, you can't call them a good team. I think they're a feisty team. I think they came out with the right game plan. They came out running the ball. Joe Mixon, uh, Giovanni Bernard. <laughs> You know, they, they, they came out, but we really couldn't stop them running too much. And, you know, they tried to mix it up after a while, but, I mean, they really could have came in and controlled the time of possession and just ran the ball, Giovanni Bernard 20 carries and get Joe Mixon 30. And they probably could have pulled the game out had they done that because we hadn't really stopped them guys. So, you know, it, it's, it's it was uh it it was it was a it was a game that I was like, man, now these guys want to really step up and start playing 
when, you know, we need to get this win. I mean, they the they defense was playing well. Um, Billings and and G, uh, Gino Atkins and you know they had Carlos Dunlap. Of course, was playing well. I mean, they they had some guys out there making plays, sacking the quarterback. They got the Derek Carr a few times, and um, you know, but I was proud of how we was able to pull it all together. We got a lot of injuries on the offensive line. We have, to me, I think we have the top three best offensive lines in the league when everybody's healthy. But, you know, we're still trying to make it with guys playing injured and guys getting out and stuff like that. So, you know. But, you know, Josh Jacobs did his thing on defense. Max Crosby, I, I love that kid now. He has a lot of uh, Kevin Green in him. He just knows how to play football. And, um, yeah, I mean, he be putting pressure on the quarterback, and that's what he did most. But we had 13 sacks to all total last year. And, I mean, we must have – I don't know how many we had on Sunday, but we got to the quarterback a few times and put a lot of pressure on them. So I'm proud of the way we, we played and proud of the fact that we pulled the game out and, you know, hopefully we can keep it going and keep them wins to coming because, you know, we need them. It's, it's, it's good to see us doing our thing. Our draft picks is, is really looking, looking good. And, you know, and I don't think we have probably – one of our best draft picks, Jonathan Abram, is out. When he comes back and we use them two first rounds, that Chicago pick is looking better and better. So I think we're going to be a four be reckoned with for a while, especially hitting in the Vegas. Yeah, y'all could be in a really good spot. A really good spot. And, but the Bengals suck. Um, Ryan Finley. Did what he could, uh, 13 of 31, 115 yards, an interception, sacked five times, lost a fumble. Um, Joe Mixon had 86 yards rushing and a touchdown. Alden Tate had 56 yards receiving on four catches. But the Bengals, uh, without Marvin Lewis, are actually worse. Mm-hmm. But... Oh. I thought I pressed the mute button to get off of it, but I guess I pressed it and pressed it on. Anyway, um, Marvin Lewis is the best court, best coach that the, the Cincinnati Bengals ever had. Um, and right now, you know, now they're playing a musical quarterback and they got the devil on the bench, as Quincy calls them. Um, the, the Bengals are a really bad team, but they have some injuries. A.J. Green's still out. He's nursing some sort of injury, knee, foot, something. Um, and right now, at this point, I think he's just going. He's not. He, he may not play the rest of the season, so he can get a good contract next year somewhere else. <clears throat> Even though he doesn't want to leave Cincinnati, but um, <clears throat> it's just it's unfortunate to see this team dip down as low as they are. But they've been in just about every game this season, you know. Also. So um, they're they're not somebody that you can just think you know you see Cincinnati on the on the schedule that you're just going to run over. 
Um, they're going to play a competitive game. It's just that they, you know, they don't have enough to make – they don't have enough key players. I think now with Pat Manjohn's gone, Burford's gone, um, and some of the other players there that, you know, kind of gave them that edge, so to speak, um, they're just not, not – they're no longer there or retired. So um, now you have a, a new coach trying to change the philosophy of the team, and it's going to take a little bit for them to get on board about what he's preaching. So, um, and Andy Dalton is a good quarterback. It's just that he doesn't have enough pieces. I mean, you got Joe Mixon, who's a decent running back, but much like, you know, much like Houston, they don't have a good offensive line anymore. Their offensive line is garbage. Um, And I don't care who you put back there, a quarterback, if you don't have time to throw, you don't have time to throw. You're not going to get the ball downfield. You're going to do dinks and dunks and things of that nature, and it's just going to fall apart. Um, trying to teach a new philosophy and everything that's going on there, it's just not working. So, unfortunately, Cincinnati probably going to be the first pick of the you know, have the first pick in the draft. Um, I don't see any improvement. They're they're not going to do anything this this season. They were in, as far as them being officially eliminated. They were officially eliminated. Week eight, if you ask me, because it's just there's no way to win any games and try to get to the playoffs. Well, that that's why they got the red rifle out of the game because they want to see what they got in Ryan Finley, so they know whether to go get a quarterback or not. That's what I really think. I don't think the red rifle is going to be there next year. I think that shield has, that ship has sailed. So I think they're trying to see what they got in Ryan Finley, and I think when you get that high up in the draft. I think you're going to have to get one of those guys. And if they do take somebody like Tua or somebody like that, I think that they can use Ryan Finley to fill the gap until he gets totally healthy. And, you know, they'll be ready to go. But that's why I think the Redskins are playing Dwayne Haskins. If you don't do what they think you're going to do, I think they're going right back in the draft and getting the quarterback. We'll see. For sure. All right. Last one. We'll go ahead and discuss New England 17, Philly 10. 70,000 people in Lincoln Financial Field were disappointed as the Eagles fell to 5-5. Five five. The Patriots found their way to 9-1, and one, and it wasn't easy. Um, it was a 10-9 halftime game. And... Patriots were able to get a touchdown in the third to put the game away. Uh, let's see. The Patriots had 74 yards rushing. The Eagles had 81. Neither team cracked 300 total yards. Patriots had 298, 255 for the Eagles. The penalties were uh, the Patriots had 50 more penalty yards. Philly had a had a turnover. And they won the time of possession battle about three minutes, but they weren't able to win the game. Carson Wentz, 20 for 40, 214, a touchdown, five sacks. He lost a fumble. Miles Sanders had 38 yards rushing. And Zach Ertz, nine catches, 94 yards. And Ray, I mean, the Eagles got what they wanted in Carson Wentz, right? They, they let Nick Foles go. Um They've had some, some issues on the offensive line this season, and 
They still don't seem to have a starting running back. I mean, Jordan Howard's hurt right now. I don't know if he's really just the main guy or if they're still just kind of doing the running back by, by committee thing. Uh, it's almost like Philly doesn't have an identity, Ray. I'm not sure how to classify them. Yeah, I mean, Philly's had some injuries on offense, and, you know, they, they really just don't seem like the same team they were. On paper, man, I thought Philly was going to be, you know, like a 13-3 and three team or something like that this year. I mean, if it was me and I was Philly, not that I believe that Nick Foles is a game changer. Just like in Jacksonville, they got Nick Foles over there. I don't think he's going to really do nothing over there. But in Philadelphia, he really stood a chance to get them maybe two more Super Bowls if, if you know, he had the opportunity. I understand it's a tough spot where Carson Wentz is and stuff like that, but I would have franchised Nick Foles for the $20 million MP Carson Wentz if they wanted to, and we would have let them see exactly who is the better quarterback in that system. I believe Carson Wentz has more talent. I believe he is still one of the better quarterbacks in the league, but he's definitely not the Carson Wentz before he got hurt. He's definitely not that guy, but he's still very good. But in that system, I don't know. I believe Nick Foles probably was a better fit in the, in that system. So, I mean, to me, to let a player go just to say you got faith in another player and we back you and all the shit that they say you can sign in contract, they need to look with the eyes. If Carson Wentz was to get hurt again, what are we going to do? Nick Foles has carried us through. If Alshon Jeffrey hadn't dropped the ball last year, they would have went another, at least another game in the playoffs. And Nick Foles is just like magic out there in that system. So with Philly this year, I think a lot of it is is, is injuries and, you know, not to say that Carson Wentz is playing bad because he's not. It's just that, you know, Alshon's been hurt, Sean Jackson's been hurt, and, um, you know, he's they, they, just trying to find the identity with those players being out. I don't know if they plan the offense around those guys or what, but it's just not working as Jillian. I kind of believe that Dallas is going to win a division now. We'll see. We'll see. Buck, on the flip side, Tom Brady was 26 of 47, 216 yards, got sacked. Um, Sony Michelle had 33 yards rushing, and Ben Watson had three catches for 52 yards. Julian, Julian Edelman had five for 53. Um, I, I mean, we talked about Phillip Rivers, Buck. Is it possible just over the course of a few weeks? We've seen the demise of one Thomas uh, Thomas Wade Brady, or whatever his middle name is. Is it Wade? I remember. It could be Wayne Brady. No, I'm just kidding. It's Thomas Edward. <laughs> it's actually Thomas Edward Patrick Wayne Brady. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. Yeah. Um, I mean, in all fairness, 
he's a, he was actually falling off last year. It's just that, you know, you, you have the grunt factor. And, you know, Tom Brady's not going to be throwing 70, 80-yard strikes downfield. I mean, he, you know, those those moss days are over with. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, he's more of a 20 to 30-yard passer now, you know. And, you know, he can st- he's still, you know, laser accurate. But, you know, he's not – he's never been a scrambler. So now you have these faster, more athletic linebackers and defensive ends. Um, you know that that two second, you know, drop back and throw. Them days are over. Now it's like three and a half to four seconds. So, you know, you can use this TV twelve. You know, there's only a few that can work for all the time, and quarterbacks are usually not. You know, yeah, I mean, you can stay out there and play a little bit longer, but they're typically not ones that can just beat Father Time more often than not. <clears throat> it's catching up with them. Um, their offensive line also has um, received some dings and some injuries. So, you know, their, their usual plug-and-play type players are just not getting it done like they used to. So you might be seeing the changing of the guard a little bit, I know he wants to play the 45. I don't see that happening. Uh, this is the final year of his contract. Um, there's a lot of variables there. No Gronk. Um, they're steady trying to get him to come back. Um, that's not going to help him down the stretch. I mean, that whole offense is just sputtering. Um, he's frustrated about it. But um, they're still 9-1. So to be 9-1 and to be frustrated that your offense is not clicking on all eight cylinders, Hey, I'll take that any day of the week. But at his age right now, I mean, you're going to see a little bit of a decline. Um, it's just part of it. Um, but the Patriots always – you never can count these guys out. You might as well just – you know, they're going to they're, they're gonna get it the ship right before the playoffs. And then when the playoffs start kicking, you know, they're going to turn it on once again. So – you know, right now they're the class of the AFC. Right now, until until we until somebody can beat them, you know, and it's just they're sitting at top nine and one. So right now, the sky's the limit for those guys. Okay. All right. Well, let's look at the rest of the week. Uh, and Indianapolis thirty-three, Jacksonville thirteen. Uh, Marlon Mack went down in that game with a broken hand, but Andy was able to pull that out. Atlanta dismantled the Panthers 29-3. to Atlanta's defense has really stepped up over the last two weeks. Uh, too bad they couldn't have done that two months ago. But uh, Allen for Carolina had 325 yards passing, but um, only translated to three points. The Jets doubled up the Redskins 34-17. to Donald, 293 yards passing. The Redskins are trash. Just as, just trash. The Saints, 34. Tampa Bay, 17. I guess they copied off it with each other. Jameis Winston threw for 313 yards. He also threw a pick six. So um, it's kind of Jameis being Jameis. Um, Minnesota, 27. Denver, 23. Denver had a like a 20-point lead in this game, and 
They decided not to come out the locker room after halftime and end up losing 27 to 23. Kirk Cousins had 319 yards. Uh, Buffalo 37, Miami 20. Fitzmagic 323 yards passing. And San Francisco 36, Arizona 26. Um, it was not that big of a gap. And all honesty, San Francisco got a touchdown on the last defensive touchdown on the last play of the game. This game was close. Arizona blew coverage late in the game and allowed a like a 32-yard touchdown, or I don't know if it was that long, but um, Arizona had opportunities. Garoppolo, 424 yards passing. But um, Arizona has really, really played the 49ers tough twice this year, and they got a lot to look forward to. And the Rams, 17, Chicago, 7. Um, I fell asleep a couple of times on this game, but you would understand why if you watch Mr. Biscuit throw for 190 yards and um, the leading receiver, Gabriel, had 57 yards. But the Rams got the running game going with Ty, Ty Gurley, 97 yards rushing, and it's going to take that if they're going to continue to have some success because Jerry Goff just doesn't sound like himself. So looking at next week, uh, Ray, Indianapolis is on a short week without Marlon Mack. He's already hurting, and he's not going to play this week. Um, and Indianapolis has to travel to Houston, and Indy is 6-4. and four. Houston is 6-4. and four. The winner gets first place, and the loser is in a lot of trouble. Who you got? Ray? Yeah, you say Indianapolis playing who? <clears throat> Indianapolis at Houston. Oh, man. I'm going to have to take uh, Houston for the fact that Marlon Mack is not going to play with that broken hand. So I'm going to say Houston. Okay. And Buck, Detroit at Washington. Detroit 3 6 and 1. Washington 1 and 9. Oh, man, I ain't going to pick this game. You got to give me another one. No, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, Detroit and Washington. Wow. I don't I don't know who the hell to pick in this one. Um, Detroit. I, I, I guess I'm going to pick Detroit. I'm going to pick Detroit, man. I, I have no confidence in Washington. I mean, this should be a game Washington should be able to win um, simply because Detroit got all these injuries, but – and I, I just think that um, Washington just doesn't have enough. Um, even with all the injuries, I, I think Detroit should win this game. Okay. Maybe. And <laughs> Ray, in the NFC South, you have the 3-7 and seven Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to the 3-7 and seven Atlanta Falcons. Oh, man, the way Atlanta Falcons have been playing, I got to take the Falcons. Even if they get in the shootout, James Winston going to throw it to the guys in the other colored jerseys. So, I have to take Atlanta Falcons. You know, okay. with all the interceptions he's throwing, he might need some glass. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds funny, what but they might be right. Do. I mean, no, I'm being serious. This joker is this throwing, I think, how many, in a, him and, and maybe even Philip Weber for that yeah. matter. Um, seem like he's this going guy, three or four he, a week. I know exactly. That's what I'm saying. And, and James I mean, Winston. James uh, 
Let's see. James, James Winston had eighteen. Yeah, so I think both of these jokers need to get some glass. <laughs> I tell you what. Yep. And you got to take them Tampa Bay guys and put in, uh, put his guys in the other colored guys' jerseys, and they can get the ball. Mike Evans is doing all that, <laughs> and they ain't got a quarterback. Yeah. And, uh, and you say 11 fumbles. I'm trying to see how many he's lost. That's how many he's fumbled. I don't. Um, as far as how many he has lost, he has lost. Uh, I don't see it. All I see is it just says 11 fumbles. I don't think he's lost all 11 though. That's still a lot of time for that ball to leave your hand. Like guy, he's dropping the ball like a clumsy squirrel. Yeah, get him up out of there. He wow. is. He is eight percent. He sacked on eight percent of his passes, so he leads the league right now, thirty-six sacks. Eight eight percent of his passes, he gets sacked. So, yeah, it's not good for Jameis Winston. All right, uh, let's see, Buck. You have the two and eight Giants at the four and six Chicago Bears. Giants and the Bears. Let's see. I'm going to take Bears. Okay. Buck, you have the 2-8 and eight Miami Dolphins at the 4-6 and six Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns. Buck. Okay. Cleveland Browns. Ray, the 5-5 five and five Carolina Panthers, they may be their last chance to try to Make a run at the the division title. Five and five Carolina on the road against the eight and two New Orleans Saints. Oh man, the Saints! Think Carolina didn't just shot the load, man. It's the New Orleans Saints. Okay. And Buck, the eight and two Seattle Seahawks against the five and five Philadelphia Eagles. Seahawks. In Philadelphia. Philadelphia ain't winning any more games. Seahawks. All right. Ray, you have the six and four Oakland Raiders against the three and seven New York Jets. Uh I'm taking Oakland. So we we rolling right now and I think you know we gonna get them. All right. Buck the three and seven Denver Broncos at the seven and three Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills. Denver not winning any more games. <laughs> Ray, the four and six Jacksonville Jaguars at the five and five Tennessee Titans. Loser is probably gonna be eliminated. So oh, I'm gonna have to take the Tennessee Titans. They're a better team with Tannehill. Okay. And this is for both of you all. I go with Buck first. The six and four Cowboys at the nine and one Patriots. Uh, as much as I'd like to pick the Cowboys to win this one, it is the Patriots. So 
I, I got it. You know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna go with the Cowboys, man. I, I just the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I mean the Patriots. They just their their offense is just is just not there. And you know if and this is if if the Cowboys score more than 28 points, this is a victory for the Cowboys. If they do not, the Patriots will win. So uh, I'm I'm thinking if Dallas can get off to a hot start fast and get out there and get it done. I'm, I'm going to just pick the Cowboys. Yeah, hot start is not what they do. 28. Right, Ray, what you Go. got? What you got, Ray? Can you repeat that? I was reading the email real quick. Dallas at, at New England. England. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take the New England Patriots. Okay. Yeah, I got to take I believe the that if they, if they at home, you know, I know it's going to be a dog fight because Dak is throwing the ball well, but if they're at home, I got to go with Brady. I don't think they'll finish 15-1, and one, so somebody got to whoop them, but I don't think it's going to be Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, Dallas has to show that they can beat um, a good team, and I'm going to take New England in this one, but uh, I, I, I do think – that's what's so frustrating as a Cowboys fan. You know Dallas is good enough to hang with these guys, um, and, and take them to task, but you just don't know what team you're going to get. And so you get behind New England, you may not ever come back. All right, Ray, Sunday night, the Green Bay Packers, 8-2, and two, travel to Santa Clara to play the 9-1 and one 49ers. I'm going to take the 49ers. Good defense, good quarterback. Good offense for 49ers. Buck, what you think? Buck? Both of these teams are really good. It's really hard to pick between the 49ers and the Packers because, I mean, they, they're they both playing well. But uh, Jimmy G, yeah, I, I, he's it's really really hard to pick that this game. I, I think I'm gonna have to lean towards the Packers simply because I got to go with Aaron Rodgers. He does crazy things on in prime time games. He'll throw the ball all the way up in the air, hit the moon, then he'll come back down and the receiver will catch it. So yeah, <laughs> I got I got to go. I got to go with experience. So I got to go with the Packers. Okay. And Monday night, Ray, you have the eight and two Baltimore. Ravens traveling to LA to pay, play the six and four Rams. Oh man, I'm gonna take the Ravens because the Rams, although they're trying to get the running game going, I think it's too little, too late. I don't think they did enough to keep Gurley running all year. And if they do give Gurley the ball, they stand a chance. But I think Ravens is just a better team. Okay. Buck, what you say? Baltimore at the Rams. Well, I got to go with the I got to go with the Ravens. The Rams ain't winning nothing. Uh I just Baltimore right now is just on fire. And I just it'd be nice to see Aaron Donald stop stop Lamar Jackson and you know, put him in his place, but man, that that boy's playing on a whole nother level. And Right now, until somebody stops them, I'm going with the Ravens. Okay. 
You didn't All pick right. the Steeler Cincinnati game yet. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, you did. Oh, uh, my one. bad. My bad. I kind of skipped over that one. And uh, well, I mean, we all know who's gonna win, but Steelers for, for kicks and giggles. Steelers um, and, and Cincinnati. Steelers are five and five. Cincinnati is zero and ten. Cincinnati ain't winning no game. You know Pittsburgh going win that. I don't care if we got our 10th string quarterback in there. We're going to be done. Right. Yeah, we might have 10th string everybody. <laughs> right. So, all right. So, that's going to do it for this edition of Zone Coverage. Stay tuned for the Zone Coverage Quick Shots where we'll discuss um, Colin Kaepernick briefly. I know people have beat it, beat it over the head. Uh, well, no pun intended, Miles Garrett. I know people have beat this like a dead horse. Uh, well, there have been a lot of horses dying in some of these camps. I probably shouldn't even talk about that. <laughs> Stuff going on everywhere. I will talk about Nick Saban and, and Tua. I mean, his future this weekend's heavyweight fight, Ortiz and Wilder, and uh, the college football playoffs, and we'll do the Who Am I in the quick shots. So um, to all of you listening, go to TalkToQ.com, sign up for the email newsletter, and get the podcast delivered to your inbox every time it airs. We'll talk to you next time, and check out the quick shots coming up with the next podcast. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World?